0: You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Thursday, April 20th. I'm Portia Cook, your news director, and I, along with Lee Zempel, are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, Fort Collins police arrested a Kashlapooter middle school teacher for sexual assault on a child. Find out more in local news with me. And Colorado State University and its partners have been sending bison from its conservation herd to Native American lands, adding to existing herds and even starting new ones across the country. Learn more about CSU's role in bison conservation in campus news with Lee Zimpel. And over the span of six days across the country, four young people were shot for accidentally showing up in the wrong place. Now, legal experts question if common mistakes justify uncommon reactions. This and more in national news with Lee Zimpel. And with that, we will move right into campus news with Simpel.
1: I'm Lee Zimpel reporting your campus news. Throughout spring, Colorado State University and its partners have been sending bison from its conservation herd to Native American lands adding to existing herds, and even starting new ones across the country. The Laramie Foothills Conservation Herd began in 2015, starting with 10 bison. This year, that number reached 100 before the rehoming process began. CSU professor Jennifer Barfield told the Coloradoan that the project's mission towards bison conservation is exciting and that it feels rewarding to rehome the bison with tribes, because that mission includes cultural restoration too. Just in the last two weeks alone, nearly three dozen bison have been sent out to tribes across the country. On Monday, five bison were loaded onto trailers to be sent to the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. Then, on Tuesday, 12 more were sent out to the Crow Reservation in Montana. And, just last week, a total of 14 were sent out, with half of them going to the Grand Portage Reservation in Minnesota, and the other half to the United Nation in Wisconsin. According to Barfield, the bison that are sent out are healthy so that they can be used for breeding and can't be sold for profit. The animals are screened for diseases and vaccinated as needed to protect other herds as they are introduced to them. Barfield is a professor of reproductive physiology who was there in the beginning when the conservation herd first started. She helped it get started through in vitro fertilization, which is a process where the egg is removed and fertilized manually before being placed into the uterus. This way, disease-free offspring could be ensured because this process allowed the removal of bacteria before the embryo was transferred into the mother bison. Nowadays, Barfield said many of the births in the herd are happening naturally. The ceremony on Monday that sent off the bison to Pine Ridge was full of celebration and appreciation. The ceremony included the burning of sage and the singing of Native American songs and prayers. Daryl Slim is a member of the Diné Nation and serves as the spiritual and cultural advisor to the Teepee Raisers, which is a Lakewood-based organization that helps Native communities in poverty. Slim traveled from Arizona to participate in the Bison Send-Off on Monday, and he traveled with them to Pine Ridge. At the ceremony, he sang Native American prayer songs as the Bison were loaded onto trailers, and he planned to sing another when they were released into the wild on the reservation. Jamie Ghost, who is part of the Oglala Lakota and traveled from Pine Ridge, had also joined the ceremony to accompany the bison on their way to the reservation. Ghost said it was good to have young people educated about the bison and tradition, and that, quote, It's part of our culture, so it's a good thing. It's really nice to see something like this. Contributions to this story come from the Coloradoan and CSU source. I'm Lee Zimpel, and that's all for Campus News. Up next is local news with Portia Cook.
0: In local news, police arrested a Kashlapooder Middle School teacher for sexual assault on a child. According to a Larimer County press release in January 2023, a former student of Kashlapooder Middle School, previously Kashlapooder Junior High, contacted law enforcement regarding two incidents involving CLP teacher Robert Denise, who had been employed at the school since 1995. The victim told investigators that while a student at CLP in the early 2000s, Denise touched him sexually on several occasions. Following a thorough investigation, an arrest warrant was issued for Denise. Denise has been charged with sexual assault on a child by a person in a position of trust. He was booked into the Laramore County Jail on April 16th and was issued a $1,000 cash bond. A booking photo can be found at LarimerCounty.gov. The charges are merely an accusation and the defendant is presumed innocent until and unless proven guilty. Due to the nature of the charges and the suspect's jobs, investigators are concerned that other victims may exist. Anyone with information about unreported inappropriate conduct or abuse involving the suspect can contact Investigator Ryan Gebhardt at 970-498-5586. People who wish to remain anonymous may also contact Crime Stoppers of Larimer County at 970-221-6868 or online at www.stopcriminals.org. In other local news, the Northern Colorado Drug Task Force is at it again. After a year-long investigation, the Northern Colorado Drug Task Force dismantled a marijuana trafficking operation suspected of illegal nationwide distribution. According to a Larimer County press release, in mid-April of 2023, NCDTF investigators and local law enforcement partners served search warrants in five Fort Collins locations. They recovered approximately 1,000 live marijuana plants, 200 pounds of processed marijuana products and byproducts, tens of thousands of U.S. currency, and precious metals and multiple firearms. Through the investigation, NCDTF also located evidence of tax evasion associated with the operation. Colorado law limits personal non-medical marijuana cultivation to six plants per resident over the age of 21. Arrests in this case are pending and additional information will be released online at Larimer.gov as it becomes available. In other news, the city of Fort Collins is looking for your help on a fatal pedestrian hit-and-run crash. On April 18th, at approximately 11.39 p.m., Fort Collins 911 was notified of a pedestrian who was run over in the 900 block of East Mulberry Street in Fort Collins. When officers arrived on scene, they located an adult male mid-block who shortly after arrival was pronounced deceased. Due to the severity of the collision, the Fort Collins police crash team responded to take over the investigation. Officers believe the pedestrian was struck by at least two different vehicles, neither of which stayed at the scene or reported the incidents to the police. As of April 19th, the city of Fort Collins has updated the case, reporting that they have been contacted by the owner of one of the suspected vehicles in the crash, a dark-colored Chevy pickup truck. Officers were able to interview the driver and locate the vehicle involved. As a result of this contact, the Medina alert that was issued through the Colorado Bureau of Investigation was canceled. Officers are still working to determine how many other vehicles may have struck the pedestrian and want to speak with those drivers involved. Preliminary investigation and statements from witnesses are leading investigators to believe another involved vehicle may be a red Chevy pickup truck. In addition to this, investigators are seeking any information regarding a semi truck that may have been stopped in the 900 block of East Mulberry Street on April 18th between 11 p.m. and 1145 p.m. If any businesses in the area may have surveillance video of the intersection or anyone with information regarding the collision who has not already spoken to police, you can call Officer Dave Case at 970-416-2229. And in other local news, are you a business interested in doing business with Larimer County? Well, if you answered yes, there is a new tool for you. It is now easier for businesses to learn about and offer quotes for goods and services needed by Larimer County departments with help from the county's new department request for quotes page for businesses and vendors. According to Larimer County, interested parties can sign up to receive an email notification when a department chooses to publish a request for quote goods or services on the department request for quotes page. After a business or vendor signs up, when a Larimer County Department advertises a request for quotes for goods or services, that business will receive a notification email, including a link to view the document and submit a quote. The hope is that the new system will reach more vendors interested in doing business with Larimer County, especially local and regional businesses. If you are interested in doing business with Larimer County, you can visit www.larimer.gov slash DRFQ to view any published department requests for quotes and sign up to receive those notifications. And that is all for your local news. Up next, hear from KCSU's podcast director, Aaron, and guests as they discuss the Indian Child Welfare Act, otherwise known as ICWA. This and more after the break.
2: Hey, this is DJ Mack. Be sure to tune in on Sundays at 5 p.m. for my show, Primetime Shakedown. We'll break down the day's sports and sports news and look ahead to the coming week of sports. Only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Checkmate, put on a
1: fake it's never too late. got
3: Hey, everybody. You are listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Erin. I'm the podcast director, and it looks like we have some guests here in the studio today. Who are you guys and what do you guys want to talk about?
2: Hi, I'm Amanda, and I'm a social work major. I'm Brooke. I'm also a social work major. And we're here to talk about the Indian Child Welfare Act, or ICWA.
3: So ICWA is a federal law that was passed in 1978 because there was like a high number of indigenous children in the foster care system. At that time, over a quarter of all Native children were being removed from their homes and families. Out of those, 85% were placed outside of their communities, even if they had other options.
2: Yeah, so it was a really huge issue, but ICWA requires tribal involvement in welfare and custody cases of Indigenous children and also requires for Native children to be placed with extended family or members of their community, if possible.
3: Yeah, and I mean, the numbers of Native children in the foster care system has gone down a lot since ICWA's passing, but over 20 percent are still being placed outside their tribes and community, mostly in non-Native foster families. Also, the ICWA is being challenged by the goal. Goldwater Institute and there was
2: a recent Supreme Court case argued about it. What's the
3: Goldwater Institute?
2: So, according to their website, the Goldwater Institute was founded in 1988 by Senator Barry Goldwater and is a litigation organization dedicated to advocating for limited government and individual liberty. So, they're the ones that brought this issue to the Supreme Court and basically argued that ICWA is discriminatory against white people after there were some lawsuits filed in a few different states by white couples who wanted to adopt or foster Native children.
3: This case is called Halad and Brakeen and was argued in November last year and the decision still hasn't come out yet. And the decision could rule that Iqwa is unconstitutional and plead for it to be removed.
2: Um, and I feel like it's important to note that both of us are in fact white women. So we will never truly understand the impacts of this, but millions will. So it's really important to talk about this and create awareness.
3: Yeah. And there is a huge lack of research about this issue. And since it's such a niche topic, not a lot of people are aware that the Indigenous Child Welfare Act is even a thing. Never mind that it's being over turned. Uh, where can people go t- if they want to learn more about this? Uh, we have a website and a QR code that'll be provided.
2: Yeah. And to show how damaging it can be to be raised outside of your family and culture, the website has a bunch of videos and quotes from indigenous folks who have been through this system. So you don't just have to take our word for it.
3: Awesome. Well, thanks, you guys, for coming in. And this is KCSU
2: Are you a music creator looking to get their songs heard?
3: Then go to kcsufm.com to submit your music. Find the music tab, click submit your music for airplay, and you'll find a step-by-step on how to get your songs to us. Can't wait to hear it and keep listening to 90.5 KCSU.
1: In national news, over the span of six days, four young people were shot for accidentally showing up to the wrong places. The mistakes were pretty common ones, but the reactions to those mistakes were not. On Tuesday, a Texas man shot two high school cheerleaders outside a supermarket after one of them accidentally got into his parked car, thinking it was her own. They were fired at after the girl had already exited the car and returned to their own when they rolled down their window to apologize. On Sunday in New York, a group looking for a friend's house pulled into the wrong driveway and were shot at by the homeowner as they tried to turn the car around. One of the passengers, who was 20, was killed. And days before that, in Missouri, a 16-year-old was shot and wounded for ringing the wrong doorbell, trying to pick up his younger siblings. The striking similarity between these cases sparked nationwide outrage and questioning of the validity of the self-defense argument. In the case of the man who shot a teenager for ringing his doorbell, Missouri's standard ground law says that the use of deadly force is allowed under self-defense and might be used for defense in this case. The 85-year-old shooter Andrew Lester pleaded not guilty on Wednesday when he made his first public appearance since being charged with first-degree assault in armed criminal action. Legal experts say Lester could use Stand Your Ground as part of his defense, but prosecutors could argue that Lester didn't have reasonable grounds to believe the teenager was actually trying to break into his house. Ari Freelich is an attorney and state policy director with the Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence. She said that nothing about the stand-your-ground law permits shooting first and asking questions later after a doorbell ring, and that, quote, that's something that UPS does on a daily basis, delivery drivers, children selling Girl Scout cookies. In the other cases, Texas, like Missouri, has similar stand-your-ground laws, but New York does not. As these cases move forward, the definition of self-defense in the courtroom is under close watch by the nation. Information for this story comes from the Associated Press. My name is Lee Zimpel and that's it for National News. Until Their Home is a Fort Collins-based nonprofit dedicated to reducing the homeless pet population. For approved applicants, they offer behavioral support, supplies, pet sitting, dog walking, and temporary fostering. Until Their Home is also offering rehoming counseling and provides home-to-home rehoming services. They also support Colorado shelters through their Find a Foster program where they provide a path to adoption for those struggling in shelters. Learn more at untilhome.org.
0: I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU weather report. As the day nears its end, you can expect to see some clouds this evening in Fort Collins with cooler temps in the low 30s. Friday is not giving us the warmth I had hoped for with a high of 52 degrees, a 15% chance of rain and mostly cloudy skies. Friday night cools down even more with a high of 28. Rain and snow will begin Friday evening transitioning to snow showers later that night. Snow accumulation, however, is only expected to be less than one inch. Moving into the weekend on Saturday, you can expect cool temps with a high of 43 degrees and a slight chance of rain showers. Sunday jumps up just a bit to a high of 57 degrees with intervals of clouds and sunshine. As for next week's weather, you can tune into the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU weather report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien and Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. I would also like to thank Assistant News Director Lee Zempel, our news producer Adam Carlson, as well as the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. So thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section, or you can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we will see you next time.